This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Tonic, heard Saturday afternoons at 1 on Zoomer Radio. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. When we're high stress, most people, and this is something that most people I think can relate to, you know, they'll get butterflies in their stomach or nausea. And the reason being is because of this very strong connection between the brain and the gut. So if you're not also with the diet dealing with your stress levels, your anxiety, your emotions, you're still going to have digestive issues. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness-related issues. On today's show, we're going to learn about antioxidants. Then we're going to discuss avoiding yoga injuries. And lastly, we're going to chat about optimizing digestion. But first, a little bit of business. I'd like to give a shout-out to our show sponsor, Omega Alpha. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha only uses the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, please visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner and operator and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings. Welcome back, Gordon. Thank you for having me, Jamie. Today, we're going to discuss antioxidants. Here's my limited knowledge about antioxidants. Oxidation is a chemical reaction that occurs in our body that can produce free radicals, and that can lead to a chain reaction that destroys cells. Antioxidants prevent the process of oxidation. That's right, isn't it? That's basically correct. Uh, One of the things that people don't realize about antioxidants is that they think that all antioxidants are the same. And they're not, right? And they're not the same. They think of all free radicals as being oxygen-generated free radicals or oxygen-free radicals. There's a whole bunch of them that have no relationship to oxygen at all. Oh, I didn't know that. That's right. Now, the reason I mention this is because a lot of people talk about ORAC values about their product. Now, ORAC values are good only if you're talking about with respect to oxygen free radicals. Right. Uh, But because there's so many free radicals out there in nature, that is not a really valid concept or valid number to look at antioxidants. Okay. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize about antioxidants also is that for an antioxidant to be effective, it has to be at the right place at the right time. So, for example, if you get a free radical attack at the level of the macular tissue in the eyes, you could have some vitamin C. 
but lutein is much more effective. And the reason lutein is effective is because lutein sits in the macular tissue. It accumulates in the macular tissue. So when you have a free radical attack at the level of the eye of the macular tissue, it is right then and there, and it can quench the free radical, meaning nullify the effect of the free radical. Okay, so what you're saying is there are specific antioxidants that work to deal with the free radicals depending on what body and, and, and where it is. And where it is in your body right. and, and what sort of function the that, organ is that mm-hmm. we're dealing with. That's correct. All right, let's proceed mm-hmm. in discussing sort of, you know, how this works. Before we go down that path, okay. w- one of the things that you have to realize about the free radical f- of disease yeah. is that there is a lot of scientific evidence for this. Every disease known to man is either generated by free radicals or potentiated by free radicals, right? So one of the things is that if you can quench all the free radicals, then what you're doing is you're preventing a lot of disease from happening or getting worse. As an example, anti-inflammatories. One of the ways inflammation works is that the white cells come and they pump out a lot of free radicals. That's one of their mechanisms, in addition to other chemicals, right? So that's why if you take antioxidants, antioxidants will help control inflammation and help control the inflammatory response. That is why you have to take a good antioxidant that would cover a lot of different free radicals. Secondly, as I pointed out, it has to be in the right place at the right time, right? So for example, lutein, everybody uses it for the eyes. Lycopenes, everybody would say for the reproductive tissue. And not because lutein is better than lycopene, it's just that where it sits, where it tends to accumulate. So for a good antioxidant product, you have to take something that has a wide variety of antioxidants. So the wide variety of antioxidants does two things. One of the things it does is that it sits in the right place so that if you get a free radical attack at that level, it is effective. And secondly, the antioxidants have to be a wide variety of them. And the reason you need a wide variety of them, because not every single antioxidant, I mean, not every single free radical is the same. Right. Right. So you need a wide variety of them to quench the different free radicals out there. So it's more of a scattershot approach Mm -hmm. as opposed to a particularized approach to make sure that you're getting coverage no matter what you're paying. That's right. Because, like, for example, vitamin C is a very good antioxidant. Nobody's going to dispute that. The only problem with vitamin C, I'll guarantee you, nobody's going to tell you, take vitamin C alone and don't take any other antioxidant. Right. And the reason for that is vitamin C sits in the, what I call the water fraction of your body. So if you go into the cells, it'll sit in the soluble fraction inside of the cells. But the cell membrane itself is not a water-soluble environment. So you don't tend to get vitamin C embedded in there. You'll get more vitamin E. Vitamin E then protects the membranes of the cells. Right? So people, if you want to have nice skin, etc., mm-hmm. you should consume vitamin E. But again, it's not the be-all and the end-all because you need vitamin C also to help regenerate vitamin C. But a lot of things like pine bark extract, curcumin, all those are very good antioxidants. And again, what you're trying to do is to have a wide variety. That's what you should be aiming for. Okay. So people have some ideas about the way antioxidants work in conjunction with the body. So let's do like a little true and false. Can antioxidants ward off illnesses? Yes, they can. So that's a true. That's a true. How does that work? Well, again, if you free radical attack, 
yep. can generate disease. Okay. And if you have the antioxidants in the right place at the right time, so it'll ward that off. For example, mm-hmm. if you're looking at cataract formation, cataract formation is in the lens tissue in the eyes. With repeated um, bombardment from ultraviolet light and chemical pollutants, that could cause the eyes to have be attacked by free radicals. If you have antioxidants sitting in the eye, that will quench your free radicals and help prevent the damage to the lens tissue so that what you end up happening is it'll help prevent cataract formation. Okay, so here's another true and false for you. So before we were on air, we were talking about, well, I was talking about getting old and the aches and pains of working out. Can antioxidants stop aging? Yes and no. We all die. Right. We, no, all, yes. we all grow old. True. Right? What antioxidants can help do is ward off the diseases so that in your old age, it will help prevent some of the aches and pains and the sequelae associated with old age. So Healthy. you can live longer, healthier. Okay, so the the health issues that come up that are age-related, the antioxidants can help with that. That's right. Okay, so maybe you can go through, and I appreciate it's not going to be extensive, but some of the more common antioxidants, which are the supplements that act as antioxidants? Well, you have your pine bark extract, your grapeseed extract, bilberry extract, curcumin, which is turmeric extract. Oh, okay. Those are all what we call the plant-based polyphenol type, right? Yes. Those are important because they actually accumulate in tissue. Then you have your vitamin C, your vitamin E, Mm -hmm. right? Which are more what we call the vitamin type antioxidants. There's coenzyme Q10. There's a whole myriad of them. Some antioxidants in low doses can be antioxidants and higher doses become pro-oxidants. So you've got to avoid some of these things too, right? Right. right. It's not all cut and dry, right? So, yeah. so you got to watch whatever you're using. But I would say if you're going to take an antioxidant, take something that has a wide variety of antioxidants. So it'll cover most of the systems in your body. That's what you're looking for. Fantastic. Thank you for coming into the show today. Thank you for having me. Next time we're back, we're going to talk about detoxification, right? Right. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about avoiding yoga injuries on the tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services, and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighborhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. I'd like to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Purica. Purica wants you to turn its protein into your power. A blend of the finest vegan protein and the antioxidant powerhouse that is the pure chaga mushrooms. Purica Power features ingredients and enzymes designed to optimize digestion and absorption. Unlike many protein powders, Purica Power tastes great with water and mixes easily. It's available in chocolate, vanilla, and natural unflavored. From the Purica family to yours, Purica Power is a new way to make the most of every day. It's all part of the Purica commitment to making a positive difference in the lifestyle of its customers. Ask your favorite health food store for Purica Power Vegan Protein or visit Purica.com. Purica, nature, science, you. 
This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. My next guest is local yogi Tracy Sograti. She has a post-secondary education in biology, molecular biology, nursing, acute care, public health education, and Swedish and Thai massage. She leads classes and teaches other yogis how to teach yin yoga. She's also written a great article in the March issue of Tonic Magazine about how to avoid yoga injuries. Tracy, welcome. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, the same, the same. So great. Let's get into it. Let's do it. You teach all kinds of classes and you see all kinds of people maybe get injured. So what do you, what do you see when when you're teaching? There's two ways to approach this question. If we're looking at injuries directly related to something that the person has done during the class, then typically we see things that are associated with repetitive strains. And typically we see repetitive strain injuries happen in the wrists, the shoulders, Sometimes there can be neck issues that, that come into play, not be directly because of the neck, although we'll, we'll talk about the neck a bit later, but because of the shoulder girdle and what's happening with the posture. And more rarely, but also, you know, I guess kind of common is the low back. Right. Really interesting, though, and I just have to add this here, is that the whole pattern of injuries that happen in yoga has actually changed over the last 10 years. How so? And I was thinking about this the other day, you know, in anticipation of this interview. And 10 years ago, the yoga classes, you know, that people were attracted to or that were offered, say, tended to be practices that were highly repetitive and that also involved a lot of forward bending and in addition to more aggressive adjustment techniques, so people manually manipulating you while you're in the posture. And 10 years ago, the number one injury was hamstring tear. Everybody, I mean, not everybody, but most people that I knew who practiced yoga fairly regularly had some kind of hamstring injury, and you literally, you don't see it anymore. Why is that? What's different? Well, the practice has changed. The whole practice of yoga, and this is what really gets me excited, is that the whole practice of yoga is changing and evolving as yoga interfaces with science, right? And movement science and exercise science, and so it's it's creating this really exciting practice where people are starting to interact with yoga in a way that not only makes them more flexible and more relaxed, but it also makes them quite a bit stronger. And that practice is less about the sexy acrobatic postures and more about functional movement. Okay. So the way that we're practicing yoga Mm -hmm. is sort of changing or diminishing certain injuries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How can we avoid injuries just through our normal practice though? Yeah. Okay. So whether you are a newbie, completely green, an absolute beginner, or someone who has a very regular yoga practice, I think the most helpful thing in my experience is to get a postural assessment and then to get an assessment that's actually filmed where you're just going through regular movements like folding forward or twisting to reach back behind you and get something, you know, standard stuff that you would do in your day. So, you know, a yoga therapist can do this assessment. I do them all the time. Anybody with a biomechanics, kinesiology background can do the assessment. And Anybody with a bio... <laughs> How many people do you think actually have that? How many are there in Toronto? Okay, so Five? Like I, said, I can't give you 
favorite number, but surprisingly, surprisingly, there are a lot of people who are in the yoga industry who have that background. I would trust you to do it any day of the week. Thank you. Thank you. And I would be happy to do it on you. And so the great thing is when you're filmed, right? So sometimes when, when you're asked to do some kind of movement, you think that your body is doing one thing and then you see it on film and it gives you a completely different picture of what's happening. So I find that doing that with an individual will instantly give them the awareness of their body that, you know, I might try to do through verbal cueing for five years and not get anywhere, right? So as soon as they right. see themselves, they're like, oh, okay, I can see now what you're saying. One of the most common things, I don't know the percentage of the population, but really common is that slumped posture that people get from spending so much time on the computer, so much time driving where their whole upper back is rounded, the head is kind of jutted forward, and the shoulders are rolled in. And that, I just sat up, by the way. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> And that posture, I mean, it's so common and it's common, you know, for men and women, again, because of what we're doing in our daily lives. And that posture makes the body very vulnerable when executing so many yoga postures as well as so many yoga transitions. And so when I say yoga transitions, I'm talking about all the movements that you might do in a sun salutation, for example. Mm -hmm. So if you can start to actually correct your posture and, again, using that example, you know, really strengthen the back and stretch the chest, which is really quite simple to do, then when you go into a yoga class, you're going to execute your movements far more safely. That's great advice. We only have time for one more question. There are certain poses that I think are more likely to cause injury. You know, I don't do a lot of yoga, but I could certainly identify them. But for our listeners, you know, like, what are they and how do you deal with them? Okay, so number one, I'm just going to throw this out there right away, is headstand and shoulder stand. Those two postures are really, really hard on the cervical spine, which is your neck. And we do not live in a society where from birth, you know, we're balancing weighted objects on our head. So our cervical spine can't actually tolerate that kind of pressure in conjunction as well with the poor posture that I talked about earlier. So if you go to a class and those two postures are offered, Instead of doing them, I would suggest putting your legs up the wall, lying on your back and putting your legs up the wall. You get exactly the same benefits, exactly the same benefits with zero risk. Fantastic. So that's the number one thing. The second thing that you're going to encounter all of the time is the pose called Chaturanga Dandasana, which is just a yoga push-up, which is in really all sun salutations. And that can be tricky for people with poor postures, number one thing, or if they have any kind of wrist or shoulder or neck injury. And the key to that posture is getting the teacher to give you the simplest variation, which is to do a very, very mild push-up, you know, where you might flex your elbows maybe 10 degrees, and don't go any lower than that until you build up the strength and appropriate posture in order to execute the movement. Fantastic. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. It was such a pleasure, Jamie. And we're going to see you again soon. Okay. And at OMTO. Yes. Right? Which is coming up June 24th. Yes. We've got to take a short break. But when we return to the tonic, we're going to discuss optimizing your digestion. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take this opportunity to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Purely Natural. They're fourth generation master herbalists. It's a family-owned Canadian company that's been in business for over 100 years. They've been working with my company, Tonic Magazine, for over 10 years, and its principal, Joel Thuna, has been writing our fantastic preventative medicine column for over seven years. They're one of the original sponsors for the OMTO Yoga Festival. The company is certified GMP, kosher, and organic. 
For more information about Purely Natural, please visit their website, purelynatural.com. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic, I'm also the host of OMTO, Toronto's best free outdoor yoga festival. Imagine taking as many as nine free yoga classes in the beautiful distillery district with hundreds of people just like you. All you need to do is bring your yoga mat and your good intentions. Please join us at the Distillery District on Sunday, June 24th. For more information, please visit omto.ca. See you there. You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. My next guest is naturopathic doctor Jody Larry. For over a decade, Jody has brought hundreds in Toronto back to life by sharing her passion and experience of what living holistically really looks like. Through her busy private practice, Wellness Studios and Corporations, Jody shares her philosophy about clean, wholesome diets and self-care practices that inspires mind, body, health, and well-being. Welcome back, Jody. Thank you so much for having me. You have a busy naturopathic practice, and I'm sure that a lot of patients come to you with digestion problems. Am I right? I would say probably about 75% of the clients that I see in a year are coming for digestive issues. So what sort of problems do they have? Most of the clients that I see, out of those 75%, I would say about 70% of them are irritable bowel syndrome. Wow, like diagnosed as that serious? Diagnosed as irritable. Although the diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome is not, I'm not saying it's not a real diagnosis, but in the conventional world, it's called a diagnosis of exclusion. Okay. Meaning you have digestive issues, constipation, diarrhea, pain, etc. You've gone through the gamut of invasive testing with your gastroenterologist to rule out more severe things like Crohn's Crohn's, or colitis, God forbid, cancer. And you have none of those things, thank God. And so your gastroenterologist says you have irritable bowel syndrome. Good luck. What else are you seeing? I see the more severe things like the Crohn's and the colitis as well. But I would say the majority of people is irritable bowel syndrome. One out of three people, they are saying now, are diagnosed with IBS. So it's extremely common. Wow. Yeah. What are some of the causes of IBS and poor digestion? I think actually it's 50-50. Okay. So I would say it's 50% your diet, what you're eating, what you're putting in. Right. And 50% your emotions and your stress level. Where do you want to start? Diet or emotions? I guess I could start with diet because that's pretty huge. And that's really the biggest way to start to actually make a shift within your symptoms. So what are people doing wrong and what could they be doing right? And I appreciate we're not going to get into all the details. Of course. So in terms of what people are doing wrong, the biggest thing that people have to know is that if you're putting foreign things into your body i.e. processed sugar, which is foreign, right? Right. It doesn't come from the earth. It is processed. If you're putting foreign chemicals into your body and, you know, people think, oh, chemicals, those are bad. But if you actually look at the ingredient list, at most of the box things, salad dressings, any packaged foods, there's a lot of ingredients that you don't understand. Right. The preservatives, the stabilizers. All of that stuff. All of that stuff is going to wreak havoc 
on your digestive tract because the body has no idea how to process them. The body doesn't need anything from these things. It's just causing havoc and it starts to cause inflammation in your gut, which then leads to all of these unwanted symptoms. All right. So that's the intake side. And Mm -hmm. you also mentioned the emotional side. Yes. What do you mean by that? So when I say 50% food, 50% emotions, you know, what I see is that people will clean up their diet. They'll get rid of the sugar, the processed foods, the white flour and the white bread, and they'll start eating more of an anti-inflammatory diet, but they still are getting some symptoms. So the next step is looking at the emotional piece. So there is something called an enteric nervous system. What that means is it's a full nervous system that actually connects your brain to your gut. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And what that means is that when we're high stress, most people, and this is something that most people I think can relate to, you know, they'll get butterflies in their stomach or, you know, they're about to write a big exam or have a big presentation and they'll have diarrhea or they'll get stomach pain. Or nausea. Or nausea. And the reason being is because of this very strong connection between the brain and the gut. So if you're not also with the diet dealing with your stress levels, your anxiety, your emotions, you're still going to have digestive issues. Okay. One other thing I want to say about that is that also you cannot digest food in a sympathetic nervous system state. Okay, what is so that? So what mean? that means is we are always either in sympathetic or parasympathetic. Right. Sympathetic is the fight or flight. That's cortisol driven. So when you're running, when you're going, when you're highly stressed, blood flow is going towards the extremities and away from digestion. Digestive enzymes actually halt and you will not digest your food properly, even if you're eating, you know, wheatgrass and quinoa. When you're in the parasympathetic nervous system state, i.e., rest and relaxation, you're calm, your cortisol levels are low. That's when blood flow is going towards your extremities. Digestive enzymes are being activated and you can actually start to process your food. So that means eating when you're calm, not eating on the go, not eating in a stressed out state. You know, you could be eating healthy food, but if you're still going to get bloated after or not digest it properly, it's likely because you're in a sympathetic state while you are eating. Okay. So we've talked about the intake. So switching away from the preservatives and the foreign bodies that you want to exclude. Yeah. And eating when you're calm. Mm -hmm. Last question for today Mm -hmm. is what else can we do to aid our digestion? Okay. So you also want to make sure that you're putting foods in that are going to have a calming and anti-inflammatory effect on the system. Such as? Such as things like ginger. So when I work with clients, I'm always usually getting nine out of 10 of them to make their own ginger tea, actually buying real ginger, not like a tea right, bag. Right, which you can get everywhere. Real root, which you can get at any store, cutting it up, boiling it up till the water is really yellow, adding some raw honey, which is actually also very healing to the gut, and drinking that daily. You also want to make sure that you're getting enough fiber, right? Most people, I can't tell you how many are extremely constipated, but then they're not eating fibrous foods. They're not drinking enough water. So adding in things like and not brand, like most right. brand products actually have sugar in them. You'd be shocked. Even things like all brand. You don't want to go to those things. Uh, I go for the old tried and true oatmeal, but I'm sure yeah, you have other ideas. Oatmeal's great, but even to add more chia seeds yep. are one of the best things you can do to get your bowels moving. Hemp seeds, obviously things like oatmeal, whole grains, dark green leafy vegetables. Kale. Kale. 
Then supplements are foods that are high in magnesium. Probiotics are really important too because the sugar and all that stuff actually increases the bad bacteria in the gut and you want to have a lot of good bacteria in the gut to get optimal digestion. And one last thing is that optimal digestion is where good health starts. So if you are not having one to two good formed bowel movements a day and or you're having diarrhea, constipation, stomach pain, bloating, it is likely affecting other aspects of your health too. And you really want to fix the core before you can fix anything else. Excellent advice. Thank you for coming in today. Okay, thanks so much. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on Zoomer Radio and thetonic.ca. For articles written by Tracy Segrati, please be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss stressing out, four things that we can do to derail our fitness progress, and Natural Nutrition Month. This is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.